Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin A.C. Potters, beat writer for the Union Tribune. Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune, joins me. Uh, Padres, oh my gosh, Ryan, they just they just won't go away or they, they won't leave us alone. I, I, I just keep hearing from people that gave up on them a long time ago. And, and uh, you know, I've been saying those people, hey, probably be proved right, but but they're not dead yet. And now the Padres are saying we're not dead yet. Where would you like to start? Yeah, every time, uh, every time I'm done, they pull me back in, right? And uh, that's Kevin. The last time we talked, I think we had both sort of agreed that they were not a playoff team. And then they go out, they take two or three from Baltimore. And to me, Kevin, it's not just that they took two or three from Baltimore; it was how they took two or three from Baltimore. They beat up on a really good team twice, and with some clutch hitting with solid pitching performances again. I mean, Blake Snell last night continued to make a case for the National League Cy Young. This is a team that if has done a pretty impressive turnaround since the last Diamondback series, and then you've got the Diamondbacks coming in. Um, the larger issue, though, is that they're fun. The last two nights or three nights have been fun, highlighted by Fernando Tatis Jr. doing something incredible last night. Talk about the steal of home. Yeah, they're... You don't see those very often. It was the fourth straight steal of home in the major leagues this season. The ninth in Padres history, the first since 2016 when Travis Jankowski did it. A straight steal of home is just stealing home, not a double steal. And I went through and watched all 15 of the steals of home in 2023 just to make sure. And all but four of them involved a catcher throwing down to second base, and then the guy on third comes home. This was simply, you got a left-handed pitcher on the mound. Fernando Tatis Jr. kind of just creeps off. He sees that, you know, before the pitch before, pitcher isn't really paying attention. And But it was what was wild about this one, no one was. No one, not the guy on deck, not the guys in the dugout, not the catcher. No one knew this was happening. And Tatis jogged, walked or jogged like half the way. You know, no that's from the pitcher, no clue whatsoever. Tatis was out of his mind afterward. His teammates were, and I will say, you know, for all these sellouts that have happened at Petco Park, and kudos to the fans, the team hasn't really played that brand of baseball from 2020, the parts of 2021, um, parts of last year. It hasn't given them reason to lose their minds, and and last night that that did happen a few times. Two out hits, jack up a crowd. Home runs, jack up a crowd. Defensive plays, jack up a crowd. And, well, steals of home do that as well. And the Padres had all of them last night. Yeah, it was as comprehensive a game as I think uh, I've seen them play in a while. I received a couple texts from people last night who I know watch and pay attention to the Padres calling it maybe the most complete game they've seen all year from them. Now, I would argue the night when Fernando Tatis did every, did a little bit of everything. But my goodness, that was two months ago, Kevin. This is a, a sign at least that they're maybe they might be a little bit more exciting down the stretch than they've been. Um, the if, thing that if, Yeah, go ahead. Oh, the thing that impressed me the most about that steal of home was that there was no play at the plate. When, when I think about... Padres steals of home. And, and to me, Everett Cabrera stealing home against the Dodgers to beat them. I think it was on July 4th weekend a decade ago. I still remember Melvin Upton Jr. stole home with one of the greatest slides I've ever seen um, back when he was a Padre for about a month and a half. Um, and, and then this, both of those were insane, not only dashes for home, but great slides at the plate. This one, you're right. Tatis could have walked. 
And it's, um, it's incredible. And Kevin, we say all the time that pitching the next day starting pitcher is momentum. You know, that there's not really anything that these little events probably don't mean as much to the team as it means to a fan. But is this something that could light a fire for them? Do you think? I am reluctant to answer that (laughs) based on the fact that we have thought that a dozen, 20 (laughs) more times they thought that many times. You, everything you say is correct, and yet it 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 has to keep happening. I mean, again, like Bob Melvin got tired of saying that a month ago. You know, like, mm-hmm. hey, we need to get on a run. Hey, you know, tomorrow's mm-hmm. the big day uh, because you know they, like I wrote in the newsletter today. You know, they have not won more than three games in a row. They are the only team in the major leagues. They are one of two teams in the last five full seasons to have not at least put together a four game win streak. So it really is about that. But yes, the answer to that is yes. And you know what is important? That they believe it, right? Like, and, and if they, you, you talked about the, the sign that they may be exciting down the stretch. Look, this thing could go off a cliff at any time. Or, right, like they'll, I don't know what the analogy is. Like they'll, they'll see the cliff and they'll just jump it. And, and you know, evil Knievel, did he ever actually land a, a jump? Like they can do this. Like they are good enough to do this. That has been shown over and over and over that they are. That's where it's like when people say they're not good, it's like they're flawed. They got some problems, but they're good. So yeah. can do this. I still don't know. I mean, you got to look ahead and see who's ahead of them, the number of teams that are ahead of them, the amount of games that are remaining. And it's going to be, look, it's going to take a run. They got to win like seven, eight in a row, get themselves in a place where September is like one game back or something. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Kevin, one of your notes while we're talking about Tatis, uh, this was a guy who was awful for about a month and he's been pretty good lately. Um, those numbers seem to have turned around a little bit. He's back to being sort of the Fernando Tatis that we saw the first four months of the season. What is he doing differently? Well, he's a singles hitter now. Uh, no, he, he uh, <laughs> obviously has the ability to also turn those into doubles and home runs. But like what he has focused on now is just going with the pitch. Just this is what I'm going to do because here's the pitch that's coming. And what is amazing is that he can do it. You don't think Jake Cronenworth wants to do that all the time? You know, you don't even think like Manny Machado wants to do that all the time. Like, like, and they're two different hitters and Manny makes adjustments and, and gets on heaters. But like, when you're watching Tatis in one of these times, and he has had these before, uh, even though three hits in the last two games had never gone three in back-to-back games. Uh, but it's like he's doing it on purpose. Like, I can do this, so I'm going to put the ball here. Like, it's truly amazing to me how good he is when he's on, when he's this good. Like, this is the hit that needs to happen. Okay, boom, there it is through the 5-5 five, five hole. This is the hit that needs to happen. Oh, there it is. I just put it over the second baseman. Hey, it, that's what he is doing now. Yeah, it's um, – He shortened it, it everything up to answer briefly. He shortened up his swing, and he went – he's going with the pitch. There was like – while he was having some bad luck, he was – looking at that going, wait, look at all these balls I'm hitting hard. I'm going to, and he was trying to swing his way out of it, right? Get a couple home runs and suddenly slumps over. Now he decided, no, you know what? I'm going to get a couple hits and the slumps over. To me, what makes Fernando Tatis so compelling a player is that he can become who you need 
you know, we talked about Freddie Freeman being that guy, right? A couple of podcasts ago. You need a single, he can do that. You need a home run, he can do that. Tatis to me has gone from Alex Rodriguez, which is a, 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 a tall, uh, strong shortstop bombing home runs to there's a little Tony Gwynn in his game now. He's playing right field. He's hosing guys at second base. He's getting singles. He's going opposite field. He's stealing bases, which, again, people forget. Tony Gwynn did a lot of that early in his career. I mean, this is – he's a chameleon in a way, and I'm not sure that there are many baseball players in this era who can do that. He has the ability to be that. I mean, you talk like – he has the ability to, because of his baseball acumen, to steal home without anyone in the stadium knowing it's happening. Uh, but – Yes, he has that ability. Um, it'll be interesting to see how now he, and he's done it before, gets gets comfortable at the plate. Pitchers are like, oh, this guy's going to hit anything. They start making mistakes, and he starts hitting 450 foot bombs. That's, right. that's how it goes if, you know, history is our guide. Uh, and then he gets in another, you know, chase mode and, and then has to redo it again. But he can redo it again. And he can redo it again. This one lasted a little longer, actually, uh, the longest of his career. But he can do it again fairly quickly. And that's the amazing thing about him. Well, and so much can happen. I, I think what really compounded his struggles there early was when he's not getting on, he doesn't have the opportunity to do those special things like we saw last night. Right. Yes. It's, I mean, he is such people forget he's among the fastest and among the among the strongest players in baseball when you get and he's smart you know when you get on base you can put those that speed and those smarts to really good use yeah and you know we saw that last night so um very interesting stuff kevin i'm gonna test our little momentum theory tonight because they have to face that gallon again and they've got rich hill kevin we've seen rich hill twice the first outing was an unmitigated disaster the second outing was disaster-ish um, what are they expecting from him? And what's a realistic expectation for a guy who is older than me and playing big league baseball? You know, he has had good starts this year. So it's you you're hesitate to say, oh, he's a three inning guy or, you know, whatever. Like you'll be fortunate to still be in the game. And then you put in Pedro Avila or, or whatever. Um, that's kind of the contingency plan. That's kind of where they're at. But, you know. I, I look, Rich Hill has been horrible for the Padres. Both games, like, it just shows what a pitcher throwing 87 miles an hour who has to locate his stuff that the margin for error isn't there. Because there was a path in both games where those things didn't happen to him. Be they a call by an umpire that didn't go his way, uh, be it a flare hit that prolonged an inning. Like, I'm not, make no mistake here, I'm not like, saying Rich Hill wasn't bad. I'm just saying, like, he he could be good again. He could be a guy who can eat up some innings for you, give you a five, and you're, you hope that you have scored some runs or that it's a game, right? It's a two-game two, two game or two-one game. Or, heck, if you're even down three-one and he gave you five, right? You're like, okay, that's what our offense is for, right? Like, you know, <laughs> we could score more than three runs. So that's what you're hoping out of Rich Hill. Yeah, it's uh, it, to me, it's such an interesting weekend. Four games with the Diamondbacks. Starting tonight, not only do they see Zach Gallon again, Zach Gallon who shoved last week against them, the, the what Saturday game in that series. Uh, they also face Merrill Kelly, who, and maybe, Kevin, it's just my sort of short-time thoughts here. Every time Merrill Kelly pitches against the Padres, it seems like he does pretty well. Um, you get Brandon Fott, who 
again, uh, pitched the Diamondbacks to a win last Sunday. Padres need to turn this around. I mean, if they think that they're a playoff team here, I mean, this is a three and three out of four or sweep the series situation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I could be sitting here on Sunday when they have uh, gone two and two and the Cubs lost and the Padres are still sitting four and a half back and you're going, oh, my gosh, they somehow didn't get any worse when they dropped another ball. Right. Like because, you know, if they went two and two, they didn't get blown out in those two losses. One of them's going to be a four three loss where, you know, they left. 14 men on base and lost in the, you know, eighth inning or something. Uh, and you're going to be like, they blew it again, but here they are. They didn't really lose any ground because the team's ahead of them. But, but yes, I'm inclined to absolutely agree with you that I mean, and how many times have they said it? How many times have they acknowledged it that basically this is a series we got to do. And, and, and to me, that's one of their issues. And, and um, we don't have time uh, to get into it now, I, I don't even – no one has their arms around it. But, like, that, that they have not been able to do that with their talent, with their experience, they haven't been able to say, we're going to sweep this team and do it outside of the Rangers series, okay? Um, obviously, they did sweep the Angels as well. But in terms of that was like a, hey, we got to win to show the front office and we got to win to stay in this right at the end of January. And so they went out and they swept the Texas team that was somewhat depleted. And, uh, you know, but there has not been a response like you just talked about. Like, got to win this one, do it. Very difficult to sweep. So how about three and one? Yeah, Kevin, if it's three and one, and and again, you had a great note in today's Padres Daily Newsletter about where the Padres stand in, in the wild card race here. If it's three and one, are we willing to declare that they're contenders again? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, like I want to be clear that you both we both were leaning toward they're not playoff team, but we we you know we're we're, we're not fans, we're, we're journalists. We we did say last podcast it's not over, so I want to make clear on that, right? Like, so we're not having to do some sort of retraction or something. Ah. Uh, but yes, I think that that was always the thing, right? If they can go on a run, and a run, yes, is five or six wins in a row, but it is also like eight of ten kind of thing right right yes uh because you don't win every game in baseball but at they're at the point where it has to be like 700 baseball it has to be like 800 baseball over a small period of time they they need a run yes ryan because if they go three and one you're thinking now they're three and a half back at, at yeah. worst you're thinking they if they go three and one they gain a game right nope no one except for the cubs over that time here recently um among the people in front of them has gone on a, a nice run. So mm-hmm. all those teams got on a nice run to get up there. But uh, recently they've just been the Marlins, the Reds, the Diamondbacks, the Cubs just been trading places. And so if the Padres can go on a run and that is again, add it to the, the trash heap of things that will destroy them this winter is knowing that you didn't need 92 wins to get to the playoffs this year. Right. You just needed to be better than the Marlins. And if you can't do that, then, that's really going to bug you. The Marlins, who, by the way, Kevin, come to town Monday. Uh, It's huge. And we touched on this on the last episode, and I feel like I'm repeating myself. I mean, four against the Diamondbacks, three against the Marlins, three against Milwaukee, three against a terrible St. Louis team, three against the Giants, three against the Phillies. I mean, here you go. Somehow, inexplicably, as terribly as they played last weekend in stretches against the Diamondbacks, 
inexplicably, it's still right there in front of them. Which is why all along I've been saying it's not over until this last week when they went to Arizona and played like that because they didn't do what you just talked about, which was seize a moment that they said they absolutely had to seize. You had to say, look, come on, fool me once, but fool me 40 times. And like, you guys just don't have it in you, right? Right. But like, yes, exactly. Go ahead and look at the schedules coming up too. It is going to be difficult. It's going to require a run, but look at the Cubs. um, The Cubs, I think it's the Cubs and the Reds play the Diamondbacks. Uh, Like all these teams play each other too. The good news is there, one of them's going to win. Or, or lose every night. The bad news is one of them is going to win every night. But they are. It's not like all of them are going to go on a run. They're going to beat each other up to some extent too, while the Padres have the schedule that you just talked about, where they right. get to play some of them. Right. But as Bob Melvin has said, players have said, Bob said it last night, that's all well and good. We have to win these games. Yes. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> we have to actually win them. It's not like, <laughs> that's that, duh. But it's like, they're they're so exasperated that it hasn't happened because they honestly do believe the words they're saying that they're better than this. Now, Kevin, yeah, I just creeped in their minds. I promise you that, but they do believe it's to me. It's the 2020 baseball season. Again, every game counts like three times what it normally does, right? This is a Monday in late August and it's appointment television for me. Because this game matters so much. This pennant race is tightening up. Kevin, we're up against it just a little bit time-wise. Uh, any other things that, that you'll be looking for here against the Diamondbacks and anybody who's jumped out at you here uh, in their series win over Baltimore? I, I, I mean, again, what do we got? We got Hill going. Uh, Lugo, who pitched better. They get Darvish. Uh, Walker, Darvish, mm-hmm. right? Um uh, we're at the point of the season and this is where it gets a little like you're covering the team and all year you're like looking for all these little nuggets and you walk to the ballpark now and it's like, are they going to win or lose? That's really all I care about today. Right. It's the game. What's compelling to me, Kevin, I said this to somebody last night. um, The Padres could have the national league Cy Young award winner. They could have, if not the national league, most valuable player, the national league, most valuable player finalist in Hassan Kim based on what he's doing, based on some of these numbers, he better finish hot. I I love Hassan Kim, and I think that you're correct. He's going to get some like bottom five votes and be a top ten finisher, but they're they're not good enough for him to be. But I, I I'm going with your point. Go ahead. Yes, okay. they're going to have the Trevor Hoffman Award winner likely uh, for a National League closer. I yo I, I in the conversation in the conversation. Sure. I, I'm again. I'll go with your point there. Uh-huh. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And none of those guys are named uh, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado. Um, For all of these things to happen and for them to be on the outside looking in, there is still a part to me intellectually that says maybe there's a run there. Uh, Maybe this is maybe this could come. If not, it will become the most disappointing season in the history of the team and the most disappointing season um, maybe in the history of anybody not named this year's Mets. Okay, so I think that I think your point is that if before the season we'd said Blake Snell is going to uh, step up and have the kind of year in his contract year that you know he hopes he has, because you're in your mind you're like yeah you Darvish um, 
uh, Joe Musgrove, you can count on them. Okay, cool. They have real life top three. Okay, yeah, that, that you're right. I think they'll be good. Or oh, Hassan Kim is going to bat 270 and get on base at a 350 clip and 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 hit uh, 20 bombs and steal 30 oh, wow. bases and steal 30 bases. Hey, and play you mean with the, with the big four also? Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Padres are going to be who we thought they were. And so yes. And that, Michael Waka and Michael Waka who walks in during spring training in street clothes and, and joins your rotation. Yes. And Seth Lou and Seth Lugo, who might've been the only guy who thought he was a starting pitcher before this season. And that all of these things hit it. it to me, it, it makes the other stuff extra frustrating because all of these things that have to happen for a deep playoff run seem to be happening, except they're on the outside looking in with five weeks left in the season. Again, big trash heap of missed opportunity is uh, what you will be looking at if they don't uh, come back. And, and by the way, I mean, this comeback would be, if not historic, it would be really it would be the first time that a team with whatever, 40 something, 41, 42 games came back to make the playoffs after being more than five games out since the Dodgers in 2008. So it has been 15 years since a team as far back as the Padres with, you know, now they're four and a half out, but uh, this far back with this little time to go made the playoffs. So it's, it's real. And there's a reason for that. It's an uphill battle because you put yourself in a hole. I don't think many sub 500 teams had this much talent. Right. Um, you, here's one you, thing though. Today you'd feel a lot better about if it was Joe Musgrove in his spot and there's another thing on the missed trash heap of opportunity is you didn't take advantage of these types of performances like Joe Musgrove. And, and uh, when, when it was here, you weren't winning when everything was going right. Uh, and now you're having to rely on Rich Hill to get you through a game like today. Right. And we'll see Kevin, you know, every game means so much now. Uh, when we talk next uh, heading into the Marlins series, our tones will probably have changed again. <laughs> you know, a, a, a big series for them and they're right back in it. A bad series for them and the season's over. Um, that's all. That's that, that. That's all we've got riding on this weekend series against the Diamondbacks. Just that. Just mere survival. Yep. That's you're, you're 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 correct. That's where we're riding the wave now. It's crazy. That'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey. I'm Ryan Finley. We'll see you next time.